Those who are set free are free indeed. Freedom from the law. That's next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Forced to be somewhere you don't want to be. And then that moment when you don't have to be there anymore and you're set free, that's a happy moment, isn't it? Well, that's what we're looking at today spiritually, freedom from the law and what a happy condition it is. Hi there. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. We're in Romans chapter 7, continuing our series called Life of the Righteous. Please join us as we are encouraged in our freedom in Christ. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's broadcast. I could last three days because I'd get heavy and I'd feel burdened. But then I always would say, you can't live like these people, so don't even sign up. Don't even sign up. Because I thought of the dress code and all the prohibitions of our group, and there were many. And all that, I said, I just, I just can't. I can't break up with my girlfriend. They'll tell me she's not a Christian, and I'm not going with her because she's a Christian. She can make out good. I'm not checking out whether she believes our doctrinal statement. I just say, is the lip lock worth it? I say, it's worth it. <laughs> so I, I, I don't want to sign up. I'm just a kid, but I got this stuff figured out. Because our group, you couldn't sleep around or something without five aunts, four uncles, and two deacons busting you inside the head. What do you think you're doing? Today, nobody asks. Don't ask. Well, Finally getting the Christian life and all these rules and stuff. And my number one problem is, how can I be moral? I'm 14. I ought to be sleeping with a girl. Everybody else in my neighborhood was. And then I was seeking for tongues because I was with Pentecostals. So I got two assignments. Can I keep my pants zipped and can I talk in tongues? I want to tell you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit as much for the zipper as you did for the tongues. Are you with me? Yes. Tongues was easy compared to the zipper. I said, I need to be emasculated at 16. I can't stand this. I, I don't want morals. I want to go to heaven. I didn't sign up to be moral. I want to do my own thing. And all of a sudden, a new principle started working in me. I said, you want to you, you want to please the one that died for you? Don't you? Yeah, yeah, do, Lord. I want to. It didn't bring a rule. It says, well, you, you want to flee temptation. You better break up with that girl. Uh, I spent three years returning things I stole. Three years. I'd be down in my room praying. And God said, you stole that ball glove. Yeah, Lord, that's sixth grade. Well, we returned it. I'm going to look like a dunce to go in there. I was in college. I was in Bible college. I saw the principal of Bayview. Hello, how are you, uh, Phil? How are you? New principal, didn't know me. Yeah, I stole this in the sixth grade, and the Lord just told me I need to return it. <laughs> well, what grade are you in now? I'm in college. Larray's <laughs> Market took back some change. I stole a fight in a Helms fight. And I took it back, cost 59 cents. I said, I found this today in my drawer. I stole this from you when I was going to Helms. What was that? That was in the 50s. You gotta be kidding. 
Because the Spirit would just keep, you, you got to do that. You got to stop that. You got to change that. I'm going to lead you to do that. And, and I had no rule book. Nobody threatening me. He created these desires to be right towards my mother, to uh, want to do this. I, where's this coming from? I, I said, I can never live this way. I'm not made like these people. I wasn't when I thought that way. But when the spirit came in, I started thinking like spirit people. I wanted to please God. Now you see what he's telling them here is that you going as a Jewish Christian from the reign of the law over here to grace, it's like being married to a new husband. The first husband in the illustration, I would say it this way. When the law was my husband, he always reminded me that I didn't measure up because the law was a perfectionist. Have you ever lived around a perfectionist? May their tribe shrink up. He always told me I didn't measure up. I wasn't good enough. I didn't perform good enough. I was always frustrated in this marriage to the law because I just could not please. Because I would, I'd either burn the toast, not clean the house, or have a migraine headache at the wrong time. So I just couldn't get a passing grade. And he withheld his love when I failed him. He told me there's penalty every time I fail. He was a good man, but I just never could measure up to his expectations. But now since he died, I got me a new man. And let me tell you about the new husband. He's called Grace. And uh, you wouldn't believe it, but my present husband died for me to make me his bride. He laid down his life to get the privilege to court me. And when he offered me a wedding ring, he took me to the foot of the cross and he said, this is what I paid. This is the dowry I paid for you to be my wife. I wonder if you would accept the payment of my life's blood on the cross for you. And I want to marry you not to boss you and not to remind you that you're ugly, overweight, and imperfect. For you see, uh, since the cross, and since I shed my blood for you, you're beautiful to me. I want you. Why, when I started loving you, you were filthy from sin. You were rebellious to everything that was good. And I decided I was going to make, turn you into my wife and treat you like you'd never been treated because you were battered from the law. You were defensive. And matter of fact, I decided if Jacob could work 14 years out of love to get Rachel, I'd be willing to live 33 years among sinners and stay on the cross, which seemed like an eternity, just to get the right to make you my wife. Matter of fact, there's no divorce in this marriage. But, but, but wait, 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 husband. The other husband always threatened me with divorce if I fail. Always threatened to expose me. What will you do if I prove unfaithful? I will prove to be faithful to you. It will be my love that will keep us married. Because I will see that you never stray because I'm going to put my spirit in you 
And my spirit is going to be like a magnetism that will always glue you towards me. No matter how many times you fall, how many times you fail, there will be a magnetism that will always bring you back to me. I'm going to put him there so you won't stray too far. Well, Lord, how can this be? This seems unreal. You've never done this before in history. He said, oh, yes, I have. Yeah. One day, a prophet came home and found the house empty and the kids uncared for. And he asked his two boys, where's your mama? They said, she said she's going to leave you. And she has. And so as he fixed dinner for the two boys, he's wondering what the congregation would think about a preacher's wife leaving him. And he said, she'll come home soon. Maybe she's gone to see her mother. The word got out on the street that his wife was now the town prostitute. And he was getting ready to file for divorce. And in his culture, he also had the privilege of stoning her. So he notified the elders, divorce is imminent and let us plan to stone her. She has brought great shame on me as a prophet and great shame on the institution of marriage. And as I went downtown one day looking for her, I could hear names being called out. And what am I bid for this slave? What am I bid for this slave? And all of a sudden I heard, and who will give me 30 pieces of silver for Gomer, the ex-prophet's wife? She's a real man's woman. You want to buy this woman? And he said, I sat there and my stomach churned as I thought of my boys and the shame they bore, and I did too. And as I got ready to go by and discuss I heard the Lord tell me, go buyer, purchaser, release her. Lord, I want to stone her. She's broken the law. I'm not going to let you stone her. What else do you want me to do? Take her as your wife again. God, you don't know how bad adultery is. It kills a man's ego. It's harder on men than women. You don't know. This is... I've lost face in this community. I can never raise my head again. Hosea, I said, buyer. I said, lover. But look how dirty she is. Her wardrobe is shattered. Her teeth have gone bad. Her hair is unkept. She's in a terrible condition. Go, lover. Take her home. Dress her good. Introduce her to the boys again. And by the way, the next time you preach, Hosea, next Sabbath, I want you to preach to Israel. You all are shocked at me taking Gomer back, but you're the harlot nation that's left me. I bought you in Egypt in Ezekiel 16 when you were drowning in your afterbirth and I dressed you and I, I groomed you as a young maiden. And when you became beautiful, you threw all of your favors to the other nations and you've broken my heart. You've left me. I wanted you to be my wife, Israel, but you've played the harlot with the nations. And what am I to do with you? I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son to pay a price to buy back my backslidden wife. I want to bring you back. I'm going to forgive you because I'm going to remain married to you, though you deserve to have this union dissolved. That's why I'm sometimes amazed at people when they tell me everything they can't forgive. God can forgive anything. And I know some Christians that can barely forgive anything because they don't have the heart of God. They've got a heart of stone. And that's why he said, God lets you get a divorce 
not because you deserve it, but because man's heart is hard and he permitted divorce because of the hardness in people's hearts. Never was his plan from the beginning. And so we see here that what God is telling us through this apostle to Jew and Gentile, you died to the old administration and laws of the first husband, the law. And you've been joined to a new husband, Christ. And Christ saved you. And you know what's beautiful here? He didn't save you because he wants to uh, do anything but bear fruit through you. You know, there's two ways he bears fruit. There's two analogies. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches, I'll bear my fruit. There's the fruit analogy. How do you bear fruit in a marriage? You usually have children, procreation. That means you've got to be available. You've got to be united. You've got to become one that we bear his fruit, whether you want him as vine or heavenly husband. He said, I want to bear my fruit through you. I want my life to be externally displayed through you, my bride. The only thing he's told us, the engagement period has run 1900 years. And he says, just keep yourself as pure as a virgin until I come and consummate the marriage. Remember, a Jewish engagement was marriage. You had to get a law of divorce to break an engagement. So we are so engaged to Christ, 2 Corinthians eleven two, that all he says is keep yourself pure. Don't violate the engagement betrothal period for your heavenly husband's going to come back. And when he consummates the marriage, he's going to throw a party and it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where he shows off to all spirit beings his love for the church, his bride. But hear me well. Oh, glorious condition, we are no longer under the law. There's no place for it. And Christianity's been ruined by loading up young people to seniors with rules, rules. Instead, it's a new life. It's a life in the spirit. God can get you where he wants without a bunch. Now, now he's, go, he's going to go on and say, and I don't have the time, so I must stop. It's the choir's fault. <laughs> it's me. Uh, is that uh, in this new life, he's going to share with you what it was like to be a religionist trying to keep the law and the frustration of it. You just can't do it. I remember a precious woman in this church. I thought she was beautiful. Carolyn said, I'm weird. I've always thought Latinos, brown eyes and dark hair, Italian, Latino are the most beautiful and I married a blonde. But she had dark hair, beautiful eyes, talented, talented, a striking woman, I felt. I saw she and her husband have all the erosion of an eventual divorce because she was on the artistic side. He was on the perfect perfectionist side. And in counseling, one time trying to help them out, she said, I can never pass his inspections. I said, his inspections. She said, my husband comes home in the evening and he runs, and I'm not making this up, he runs his finger on top of the refrigerator to see if any dust has gathered. And then he asked me what I've done for the day. And he was that way, just perfectionistic. I know other settings, very much that way. She finally broke two children, pastor's daughter, he a preacher's son. They just broke, 
the marriage ended. Because when you live with conditional acceptance all the time, somebody's going to break. And God has finally said, I want to put you under grace. And under grace, I started out knowing you're a failure. I found you as a sinner. I found you lost. I found you bound. I found you unable to please me. I want to put you under unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. And I want to just read one statement that grace, Lewis Chafer wrote a book on grace and he said his first principle of grace is this. Grace is not withheld because of demerit. None of us merit it. None of us are bad enough for God not to save. I'm reading a great biography on the life of Newton, John Newton by Aiken. I've read other biographies, but this is the best that I've read on it. And by the time I get through the biography, I'm sorry, but I'm saying, God, you need to send this man to hell. He is a wretch and why save him? Drown him in the Atlantic Ocean. He's terrible. Went to sea at 10, jumped from the British naval uh, forces at 12 to a slave trading ship. And from 12 years old on, began to be involved in the slave trade along the coast of Africa. But Spain, Portugal, and England and France were also trying to get slaves. So when you came along the coast of Africa, you would unload your sailors, go out there with their guns, and you'd chase down as many Africans as you could and get them before the Portuguese got them, get them before the Spanish get them, because this is the English slave captain. He was captured one time and turned into a slave by an African princess who fed him as a dog and other Africans are the ones who kept him alive because he was starving to death, came down with malaria. Coming across the Atlantic, they would make, you know, slave trade was three passages. The passage to Africa, the middle passage was from Africa to the Caribbean, and then the passage to the United States and home. The middle passage is where all the Africans died. Put 250 people in a hole with no toilets, no water, and keep them at sea for a month, half the cargo would die by the time they got to Jamaica and Haiti. He got caught in an Atlantic storm and he was known, every sea captain threw him off his ship because he was a blasphemer. He was not just vulgar and dirty. He could out drink anybody, but his words could incite riot and disgust and uh, the, the dirty vileness of life. He was known in his epitaphs as here lies a blasphemer and a hater of God. In the middle of that Atlantic storm, when he was going to be swallowed up, he'd heard enough from his mother, heard enough from a Sunday school to know there's a God there that he reviled, and he put faith in God. Still didn't keep him from raping African women, because all the sea captains got to rape all the women they wanted. No law at sea. And just send down the hold, get me another African woman. He said, I still carried on a profligate life, even after I cried to be saved. Wretched, wretched man. But God decided, I'm going to give you, Newton, what you could never deserve in a million years. I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to save you, wretched person that has vilely treated human beings. I'm going to save you. He began to pastor a church in only England. O-L-N-E-Y. 
And while he was there, he nursed William Cowper through depression. He was suicidal. Uh, there is a fountain filled with blood. William Cowper wrote that. But Newton was his pastor and got him through his depression. And he put the words one day, they were kind of always in a writing. Cowper was brilliant, a genius. And so Newton began to learn to write poetry. And he wrote the words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a good deserving man like me. You know, they've been, they've been trying to get that word wretch out of amazing grace for uh, now for nearly 300 years. It just doesn't dignify people. He wrote it. That saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now I see I was lost, but now I'm found. Guess what? The song laid in a poetry collection for nearly a hundred years and never anything came of it. He didn't even have a tune. It was just poetry. All of a sudden, it came to America and an American songwriter put the tune New Britain to it. New Britain is the melody coming right out of uh, England. And guess what? People that were slaves in the south of America heard that song, took it to their cotton fields and put soul, emotion, pathos and meaning as they sung in the fields of the amazing grace that saved a wretched slave captain like Newton. I want you to know we're under the new husband and you can be as ugly as sin and he can love you. You can be as wretched as Newton and be saved. You can be as blasphemous as Paul was when he was killing our brothers and sisters, when he consented to the death of Stephen, when he was going to Damascus to kill my brothers and sisters. Why would God save Paul? And my problem is why would he save me? Don't go under law. You never got in this thing because you kept anything. You got under the grace of God, which is God's riches at Christ's expense. I'm going to heaven, wretched though I be because of the grace of God, and so are you. Our Father, there's no word for grace like amazing. And I spell it all, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Take out any arrogance or any self-righteousness. May I continually cast myself at your feet as an unworthy wretch had not the grace of God in Jesus Christ found me. May we rejoice that God saves sinners, all kinds, the worst, the least, the highest, the best. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. May we not sing grace glibly, but may we sing it as forgiven wretches, deserving the wrath of God, but now in the new husband, he has taken my whipping for me and he's borne your wrath against me. Grace, oh glorious grace, the theme of saints for eternity. Bless these precious people today. I pray that you'll be with Alan. I hope Beverly's still alive. I pray that you'll be with him in a special way at that hospital. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. 
Our series is called The Life of the Righteous. A look at Romans chapters 6 and 7 as we continue our greater survey through this marvelous book. Copies of the broadcast or the entire series today's message was taken from can be obtained from us by simply calling or stopping by our website. You can even write to us if you wish. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. As mentioned, you're also welcome to stop by our website. We have other resource materials available along with this series we're currently in the middle of. It's all found at valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. Other information about who we are and what we believe can be found there as well. And consider this a personal invitation to join us for worship Sundays here at Valley Bible Church. Directions and details, again, can be found at our website, valleybible.org. If you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. That's here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Another reason for you to contact us either by phone or by mail or stopping by our website, and that is to become a TFT sustainer. And a TFT sustainer, simply put, is somebody who comes alongside of us financially and prayerfully saying, yes, I'd like to partner with you as you continue to spread the gospel through the greater Bay Area. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. We want to partner with you as we continue the ministry of the gospel here on this station. As a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift, and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil. It's our weekly devotional video. Again, call us at 855-833-9864 and let us know that you'll become a partner of the ministry here at Truth For Today. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 